Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Hey, let's get ready to dive into our word. Go with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 10, if you don't have your Bibles, we're going to get the scriptures up on the screen. But we are starting a brand new teaching series that we are calling Seeds to the Sower. Seeds to the Sower. And every year during this month, the month of November, if you've been at Lighthouse Church since the day one, where are all my day ones at? Make some noise if you're a day one. What's rad is that you're the minority now. That's I love that. It's just that God has just so blessed this church that, that our day ones are not the majority. They are the minority. So thank you for being here. But if you've been with us since day one, you know that every November we teach on generosity. And why do we do that? Because self-centeredness is our human nature. Self-centeredness is our natural bent. Don't believe me? Go shopping on Black Friday. See people fight over television. They're throwing blows over toaster ovens. You know what I mean? It's like, why, people? Like, why are we doing this? I feel like I feel like consumerism has a way of bending us to our worst when we allow it to. And so what's so important to me is that we get back into our word and let's get back to God's design. Let's get back to being more like Christ. And we talk about generosity in the month of November. So I'm excited to dive into it. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 10. Let's read this one verse. It says, now he, he is God. That's what we're talking about. Now he who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. What I love about this scripture, and I'll say it as a King James Version, it says this, he gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. He doesn't give seed to the person that holds on to their seeds. He gives seed to the person who sows their seeds. It's this lifestyle of open-handed living. As long as you shut your hands and you keep what God has given you for yourself and you no longer live open-handed, you don't have any more hands to receive. It's this lifestyle of open-handed living that God gives and I give away. He gives more so I can give more away. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Let me pray for you one more time as we dive into our word. Father, I bless your people right now, and I just pray that our ears would be attuned to what you're going to say. I pray, Father, that every heart would be receptive to what your word is saying. It's already anointed and blessed. But God, I just pray that on the receiving end, we would be postured in a way to hear your word and be moved to be doers of your word. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. You may be seated. Clap your hands one last time as we thank God for every moment that we've shared together so far. You know, the older I get, the more I appreciate my experiences. How many of you, as you get older, look back at some of your experiences and you're just like grateful for some of the things that you went through? I'm talking about the things that when you went through them, you were like, oh, why am I going through this? And then you look back later and you're like, man, thank God I went through that experience. Let me share with you a quick story in my life. Um, I felt God called me into the ministry. And when he called me into the ministry when I was 18 years old, I told my dad, I want to go to Bible college. And I picked out a Bible college for God only knows what, for, I mean, really God led me to this little college. And it's funny when I say it now, but he sent me all the way to the beautiful city of Stockton, California. 
And if you're laughing, it's because you've been there before, and there's nothing beautiful about Stockton, California. San Diego's beautiful, amen? I mean, like, like, we got beaches. We got great weather. I mean, we can actually do church in a tent. You can't do church in a tent if you live in St. Paul, Minnesota. You're just like, it's just not happening. They get snow over there. But we have good weather. And so to leave San Diego, to leave heaven on earth, and to go to Stockton, you know that's the call of God. And nonetheless, there I go. And when I went to Stockton, California, my dad did a good thing. And my dad told me, look, I support you. I back you up. I love you. And I am so proud that you are taking this next step in your life. But my dad told me, if you're going to go to Bible college, you're paying for it. That's a good dad right there, right? Like, he's like, I- I'm for you. I'm behind you, but-, but you're paying the bill for this. So I saved all the money that I could and uh, finally got out to Bible college. And when I got out there, my dad said, you're going to have to work. Again, at the time, I was like, I don't want to work. I want to be like the rich kids who don't work. And all they do is go to school full time. That's probably a big recipe for disaster. I noticed a lot of kids that went to school full-time had way too much time on their hands and got into too much trouble. That's another sermon for another day. But, but I mean, my routine was I would get up, and I would have breakfast, and I would go to classes, and I would have my lunch at the cafeteria, run to my job, and I would work all afternoon and try to get back in time for dinner. And this was my hustle while I was in school. And, and it was like Groundhog's Day. Every single day on repeat, I'd come home after dinner, go hit the library, go study, and do it all over again the next day. And all of that was good for me. But I remember this one time when I had just started working, uh, income hadn't quite come in yet, and I had to write a check to pay my school bill. My dad's like, you're going to go to school? That's your school. That's your bill. That's your degree. All of it's yours. And so I was getting ready to write a check because it's 1999, and that's how you paid bills in 1999. So I'm getting ready to write a check um, and pay my school bill. And I knew that 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 check, writing that check was going to clean me out. I was going to have no more cash after that. That was it. That, That was it. And, and I thought about being one of those students that went into like, you know, what if I just don't pay my bill and they're going to work with me? Because they do that at the university. They'll work with me. You know what I mean? They're going to kick me out. They're going to work with me. But the only problem is my dad didn't raise me that way. My dad was a good dad. He told me we pay our bills on time. Parents teach your kids the same. It's like we, we, we don't do collections in this household. We, we, we don't do 30-day lates in this household. And so part of me was like I could not pay my bill, but my dad didn't raise me that way. And so there I go, and it's like you are broke before you miss a payment. So there I go making my payment. And I'll never forget that as I'm walking out of there, I'm like, all right, God, you called me here. I am broke as a joke. I don't get paid till Friday. Like, how am I going to survive? I need, like, gas in my car, you know? It's like, I'm hungry. And, like, how am I going to get through all of this? And then I walked to the mailroom, and when I got to the mailroom, there was a card. My aunt decided spontaneously to write me a letter to encourage me while I was in Bible college. And she threw a $20 bill in that card as well. And you might be thinking, like, $20 bills, come on, you can't even buy a Frappuccino with that. It's 1999, okay? They had a dollar menu at Jack in the Box. $20 was going to cover me for the week. I was good with the $20. But I learned so much about generosity, and I learned so much about my aunt just meeting a need. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. It's not just on the topic of money. It's the larger concept of generosity. And so I want to entitle this thought, The World of the Generous. And I'm going to give you guys this working definition of what generosity is. Here it is. Generosity is our ability to see beyond our own needs and to see and meet the needs of others. Now, there's a lot of people in this tent right now. I'm not going to take a poll, but you struggle to see beyond your own needs. You're, you're, you're just 
looking at yourself. You might be in a season of life where you're unable to be generous or you think you're unable to be generous, but here's what I've learned. Generous people don't wait to become generous when they have stuff. They're generous all of the time. I mean, I have met people in this church where I know the state of their income, and yet they are so faithful with their giving, with their time, being part of the team. I mean, just generous. Generous is not dollars and cents. Generous is a condition of your heart. And so that's what we're going to dive into. Do I see needs and do I meet needs? And let me tee this up for you because I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, and, and 2 Corinthians chapter 9 follows 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the writer Paul is writing to the church in Corinth from Macedonia. Can you all say Macedonia? Paul was a serial church planter. This, this is what he did. He would start up a church. And go to another town, start another one, get it established and go to another one. And so he helped start the church in Corinth and now he's in Macedonia. But in order for Paul to plant more churches, he relied on the support of the established churches, the financial support. Um, but not just finances, they would send blankets, they would send clothes, they would send goods, anything that Paul needed in order to go and preach the gospel in a new city. So in the eighth chapter of First Corinthians, uh, of Second Corinthians, Paul is telling them all about what's happening in Macedonia. Is like, we got people getting saved. It's not been easy, but they really love God. I encourage you to read Second Corinthians chapter 8. It feels a lot like heart and soul, where we're like celebrating all the good things that have happened. Here's what God is doing here. Here's what God is doing here and then in the ninth chapter he then gives them a reminder on generosity he has to remind them when 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 he tells them hey i'm gonna send titus to you titus was paul's muscle titus was a a, a, was a person who who uh, followed paul around but but whenever paul needed money to be received and brought to the other churches he sent titus i think titus was probably a big dude i think he was buff and i think he didn't want to cross paths with titus because all throughout paul's letters titus was the one that he trusted to handle the money you know what i mean so in my head that that's who i think titus is you know he's like he looks like the rock that's what i think that's just just humor me okay but titus looked like the rock anyway he's the muscle and so he goes to go receive the offering but but Paul is reminding Corinth now in chapter 9 of generosity. He, he, he's reminding them that they need to be generous. And he's coming to them and, and telling them, you know, this is why we are to give. This, this is why we are to be generous. And here's the reason why. Our human nature is bent. Our human nature will naturally bend to selfishness. Our human nature bends towards self-centeredness. If you don't believe me, just go have a conversation with the two-year-old about what is theirs. It's going to go something like this. Let me give you an illustration of a conversation with a two-year-old. This is a, this is a, a philosophy of a two-year-old and toys. If you see it, if you talk to the, if you have a conversation with the toddler, they'll say this. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. All right, that, that, that's a conversation with a two-year-old. Now, nobody teaches a two-year-old to do that, but they bend in that direction. What's crazy is when you see adults continuing to bend in that direction and they're 30. What's crazy is when you see adults bend in that direction because they don't do the things to outgrow being a toddler. Now, now because we bend towards self-centeredness and because we bend towards selfishness, hear me now, 
this is why you have got to be redeemed by Christ. This is why you have got to make him your Lord and your Savior. Because what happens is when you receive Christ and you make him your Lord and Savior, he transforms you from the inside out. And he will slay that selfish nature that we all have on the inside of you. And so we are now able to be transformed by the power of God. And we are now blessed to be a blessing to other people. Come on, how many know that he blesses us so that we can be a blessing to other people? That's what he does. He, he transforms our nature. So let, let's unpack some of what Paul said together in 2 Corinthians 9 when he is telling them about generosity. Well, first he says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, he says this. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously, they're going to receive generously. Paul was making this conversation about sowing and reaping very easy. They were an agricultural society at their time. And what he was telling them is that the harvest that you reap in life is a direct reflection of what you sow in life. It's very, very simple. It's not complicated at all. So let me say it to you differently. If you become a generous person, you will receive the generosity of others. Stingy people never receive the generosity of others. Let me, let me illustrate it to you from something that I witnessed just a couple of years ago. A few years ago, two people that I knew of passed away tragically and suddenly within the same week of each other. Two people, okay? The first person used to be a pastor, but he was pretty harsh on his people. That person really, when you talk to him, didn't have a lot of good things to say. I remember one time having a conversation with him and some of the stuff he was saying, I was like, oh, you used to be a pastor, huh? Uh, what happened? And, and, and it was a person that, um, was more of a taker. Uh, it was a person that, uh, just wasn't kind. Just, just wasn't a life-giving person. You wouldn't sit with that person and walk away feeling better. Just, just nothing was given out of that person. And, and suddenly and tragically, he passed away. And, um, his family, because they weren't ready for his passing, set up a GoFundMe account. And they had a goal of reaching $15,000 to help cover the costs of his passing. Then there was another person who passed away that same week that I knew of who was really the opposite of that person, a very generous person, always gave of his time, always gave to lift other people up. He was part of a cycling community that I was a part of, and this was the guy that I would always be at the very back of the ride to make sure no one ever got lost. If someone got a flat tire, he was the first one to pull over and not just change the flat tire, but help the person learn how to change the flat tire. Do you know anybody like that? Just like constantly putting other people first. And he was tragically hit and killed while he was riding his bicycle. And his family also established a GoFundMe account. So within a week of each other, I saw these two people, both families lost their loved one very suddenly. And to the first person who was not a life-giving and a generous person, the family scraped together $7,000 in the GoFundMe account. 7000 they were hoping for $15,000. And um, I mean, that's great. They got some help. To the second person that I knew to be generous, that has always been generous and has always helped other people, they shut the GoFundMe down account after they reached $120,000 raised. And then they opened up college scholarships for his two boys. And I stopped counting when they got to $200,000 poured in to the generous person. Fast forward, if it was you, what would people give towards your funeral expenses? And, 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 and you have to ask yourself, 
you know, what type of legacy am I living and, 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 and what am I doing and what would people do for me and my family if I was to suddenly leave? Proverbs 11:24 simply says this. I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite verses on generosity. It says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And, and, and I witnessed that with the passing of these two people. I thought, look at the amount of lives that he impacted simply by being generous. It wasn't always money. I mean, it was just a generous lifestyle of helping others, of, 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 of being there for others, of, of having a life-giving attitude. And, and I saw how people poured in and how his world got larger even after his passing. And, and, and here's, here's what I know about generosity to be true. Here's what I know about generosity. You give to what you love. You give to what you love. John 3.16 says this. For God so, say it. Okay. God so loved the world that he gave. All right, there it is. God so loved that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. When you are in love, you give to what you love. Wives, let me take you back to the times when your husband dated you. You miss that man sometimes, don't you? Don't say lie. Don't say amen to you lie. Just don't, don't, don't shame him under the tent. And husbands, think about it for a second. You were never more generous than when you were pursuing your wife. Why? Because you loved her and you were pursuing her and you were trying to win her heart. And was there any expense you wouldn't make? Nah. Was there any picture pose that you wouldn't hold for her? Nah. I mean, like you were just, you were her personal like influencer, you know, just going with her wherever. Like, sure, baby, I'll take that picture. You know, like there's nothing you wouldn't do for your wife. Now I'm going to give you one more example. I got to be careful because every time I talk about my wife, I have to buy her something. So that's our agreement. But when my wife and I, when, when, when I asked her to marry me and when we became engaged, my par- our, our parents were all for it. But I don't have rich parents and neither does she. And so it was like, we love you. We support you. We're going to help you. But you're paying for that wedding. And so, and so I had to, and some of you men in the room, you know what I'm talking about too. If, if you're like, yeah, I'm sorry, my father-in-law was not rich. I, I know that American custom, the bride pays for, but I married a Hispanic, whatever. And it's like, it's just, it just it did not happen for me. And so I had to save for the way. I have never been more on top of my budget, my personal budget, like when I was trying to give my wife the wedding that she wanted. The wedding that we wanted. And I saved and I saved and I saved. And I remember, and, and, and Pastor Phil, he can fact check me on this. You all know that we've been rolling together for a long time. I had to say no to going out with my friends so many times. So many times. And my friends, we like to eat out a lot. Um, and <laughs> a lot. And, uh, but, but I put myself on a $20 budget of eating out a week. That's it. That's it. 20 bucks a week of eating out. Yeah, Omar almost fainted over there. That's one meal. Anyway. <laughs> It's like, that's it. Like, I can only spend $20 a week eating out. Like, that is it. The rest of my money I'm saving. I mean, I, I just ran out my parents' grocery bill at home, but that's a, that's, a day for, that's a sermon for another time. But, like, I just didn't eat out. Why? Because you give to what you love. You give to what you love. You want to know what I didn't do? I did not, when I was saving for my wedding, go inside of Fire Kicks and buy a $3,500 pair of off-white Nikes. 
Generosity reflects the priorities of your heart. If, if when I'm supposed to be saving to pay for my wedding, I go and blow $3,500 on a pair of sneakers, if you love me, you'd say, Josh, your priorities are all screwed up. If you love me. Joanna probably would have slapped me. But on the other hand, it's like, <laughs> you did what? Uh, but generosity reflects the priorities of your heart. This is why, hear me when I say this, God's not after your money. He's after your heart. Why do you think he talks so much about money in the Bible? I can tell the condition of your heart by looking at your bank account statements. I could. And you could do the same with me. If you guys looked at my bank account statements, you'd walk away saying two things. My God, you love Jesus and you love coffee. And I'd say yes and amen. Because <laughs> it's there in the receipts. As they say, check the receipts. Well, in the same way, I could look at your bank account. I'll know exactly what moves your heart, what your priorities are. And, and some of it, rightly so. And maybe some of it is misplaced. And, and, and Christ was always, he's always been after our hearts. He's always been after our hearts. And, and, and we, there's sometimes where we, uh, what we say and the condition of our hearts is revealed in our priorities of spend. What we say and the conditions of our heart is revealed in the priority of spending. And so my hope is that you all would see that God is trying to come and grab your heart, but at the same time that he would make you a generous person. And for those of you that are like, Pastor Josh, I just don't have that bend. You know, I'm just like a stingy person. How many of y'all got a stingy uncle? You know what I'm talking about. You're just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you don't have a stingy uncle, you might be the stingy uncle. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, but, but for the people that say, I'm never going to change, this is why you got to be born again. It's like, I was just born this way. I know. That's why you got to be born again. That's why you need to receive Christ into your heart. Allow him to transform you so he can make you a new person from the inside out again. That's what I love about the born again experience. To every person, I'm just not born that way. That's why I know. None of us are born that way. That's why we get born again. And we allow him to transform us from the inside out. But let me give you some things about generosity. I think that's going to help you. There are three things, three incredible benefits of generosity. Number one, giving and generosity, it turns your heart outward. Everybody say outward. See, so many of us, we're always thinking about ourselves. In the most random, in the most random thing that I grabbed from my study on generosity, I want you to let this sink in. In the 1800s, all of the books that were written in the 1800s, they spoke of generosity 70% more than books that have been written since 1980 and going forward. 70% more, which means we don't like talking about generosity. Generosity existed in, in, in books that were read 70 times more. I thought, if that is not an indicator of the human condition, I don't know what is. We just don't even want to hear about it. We just don't want to be pushed to be generous. But the more generous you are, the more like Christ you are. Jesus said this, Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest person among you is a person that serves others. The greatest person among you is the person that is generous. So when you become a generous person, you, you, you stop looking inwardly and you now start to look outwardly. Here's number two. When you are generous, you add value to others. You add value to others. John Maxwell, one of the foremost thought leaders on the subject of leadership, 
he uses this analogy of how people opposite of generous are robbers. He actually said that of two-year-olds. He said two-year-olds are robbers. And he's the one that gave that whole illustration of what's mine is mine. And, uh, and he said two-year-olds are constantly looking to take things from other people. And we got adults that are like that too. We got adults that walk into a room and they are not asking how can I bless other people, but they're asking what can they do for me? I remember I was talking to a young man. He was, he was a, a, a salesman, and um, he, he came and he sat in my office at the time, and he was talking about, you know, how he was killing it in sales. I just shut up and listen. How many know sometimes you ain't got to say anything? You let a person talk enough, they show you who you they are, you know? And he was just on one of these things, and he said, you know, Pastor, when I walk into a room full of people, I'm scanning the room thinking, what can I get from these people? I was like, ah, so you're a robber. Just look at the take. And then I told him this. Because I knew I had to meet him at his level. I said, hey, let me ask you something. Have you ever read that book, Getting to Yes? You know Pastor Josh and his book recommendations. I read like a bookworm and I will meet you. And I'm like, have you ever read that book, Getting to Yes? He's like, no. I'm like, you really should. He's like, why? Will it help me be a better salesman? Absolutely. It helps you to get to yes when you're negotiating with someone. That sounds like a good read. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let me tell you about the crux of the whole book, though. What is that? When you walk into a room, you should be asking, how can I help other people? Not what can I take from other people? Generous people walk into rooms full of people and they ask, how can I make their lives better? What can I do for other people? How can I lift someone up? See, generosity is not just money. Generosity is a posture of your heart of helping and serving other people. We hear generosity and right away we go to money, but it's not all of that. That's just one fraction of generosity. I love this saying. It says, you can't make your light shine brighter by dimming the lights of others. So when you're just in there just trying to take and take, I take this from them and take this, you're trying to dim the light of someone else and it's never going to make your light shine brighter. You want to know what is going to make your light shine brighter? Brighter, Lighting up the lives of other people. If you could add value. Everybody say value. What value are you adding to other people? Here's the last one. Giving helps the giver. Generosity helps the giver. I love it when science catches up with the scriptures. I love it. When they're like, breakthrough scientific discovery. Well, they notice this about generosity. When you give and when you are generous, your, your, your body will naturally start to release oxytocin into your brain. They have further discovered that when you do random acts of kindness, you receive a dopamine hit. Oxytocin and dopamine. I mean, you get a high from helping other people. And so science is like, you need to be a lot more generous. It's just better for your health. But you want to know what Jesus said? Acts 20, verse 35, Paul says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, he said, it is more blessed. Everybody say more blessed. More blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. He said that long before they found out about oxytocin and dopamine. And I'm glad science finally caught up. But Jesus was saying it thousands of years ago. And he knew exactly why he said it, because he wired us. And because he wired us, he knows what sends our brain the chemicals that is going to lift our spirits. It's incredible to me to think that you can push back against anxiety and depression just by being a generous person. You can be a happier person just by being a generous person. And, and this is really where I hope Lighthouse Church, we, we, we get back to this lifestyle, that we get back to this thought that we would become generous people again. Christ is generous with us. Now, how could we be generous with others. I like this quote by Andrew Carnegie. He says this, no man becomes rich unless he riches others. No man becomes rich 
unless he, unless he enriches others. Now, I pivoted at the end of this sermon, and I want to share with you some of the things that we're trying to accomplish in the next year and why your generosity matters and why we can't do this unless you become generous. Well, we've got five big goals for next year. And if you are at Heart and Soul, make some noise, everyone that went to Heart and Soul last, last Friday night. Thank you for being there. We said all this last Friday night, but I, I felt like we needed to bring it back for those that couldn't be there. I, I don't want you to miss out, but, but this is where we're headed in the year to come. And it's all going to move at the speed of your generosity. Well, the first thing that we want to do is we want to complete the build out of our Vista campus here. And um, so, you know, as you guys know, we, we, we shared this on Friday. We're $40,000 in to the build out right now. I know you can't see a lot of it because it's in planning, it's in engineering analysis, it's in hiring people to go and remove the asbestos out of the building. Yes, there was asbestos in the building. So it's like we had to get in the building and do some of that stuff. Um, but beyond that, we've already started doing demo. And I wanna give it up one more time for our, 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 our group of men that came in just yesterday. To, to we, we raised our balcony in the sanctuary just a little bit. Let's give it to Diane and Aman and your team. Thank you for that. I, I, joking, I jokingly said, uh, um, after they, they raised the balcony, I said, maybe Zach can fit underneath it now. <laughs> if you don't know, Zach is the tallest guy in our church. He's six foot five, and I think he had to do this when he walked underneath it. But anyway, so we lifted the balcony up a little bit, so we're getting close there. But, but finishing the building is not so that we can go inside and enjoy air conditioning. Let me tell you why we need to hurry up and get this done. The next thing is we want to have more big Sundays at Lighthouse, and a lot of that's going to really require us to get inside and what I mean by that is we want to continue to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and just some people aren't going to come and sit up under 10 because it's too hot it's too cold we're San Diegans we're fickle it's like it's not 73 we ain't in it I know I know it's like if it ain't 73 we ain't in it and so so we want to get inside the building there's a lot and, and, and we're going to be able to actually reach more people because there's so much that goes into a Sunday a lot of you don't know this but when you show up to the tent at 6 30 on a Sunday morning None of this is set up. It takes a team to come in here and set everything up. Let's give it up for them right now. Let's give it up for our setup and teardown team. We can't leave anything in the tent. I mean, the stage, that's about it. We tried leaving our speakers out and someone tried to steal them, so we don't do that no more. And I'm not making that story up. There was bolt cutters and, yeah, they wanted our speakers, so no more. Um, we got to get back inside so that we can add more services and reach more people and it not... It, th that it would not be so laborious on our team that is doing. The second thing we want to do is graded L Kids curriculum. Graded L Kids curriculum. Here's what I mean by that. Studies have shown that our children were set back through the pandemic because they were not in-person learning. Like online working doesn't work for an eight-year-old. St studying online does not work for a seven-year-old. It just doesn't. It's different when you get to high school. I understand that. But at that critical age, they need to be in person. And here's the deal. A lot of mom and dads are like, you know what? This whole online church, it works great for me. But it doesn't for your kid. And your kid doesn't know the Bible. And we are seeing biblical illiteracy at the highest that it's ever been. So this is what we're doing right now with our L Kids team. Our commitment to you is that if you bring your kids to church on Sunday, we are going to make sure that when they leave L Kids at fifth grade, we will have taught them the entire Bible cover to cover. That is our commitment to your children. We want them to know the Bible. So graded curriculum simply means that it's intentional. There's a plan behind it. And we're going to make sure that before they leave, we can point to all of the lessons. See, and we did this, and we did this, and we did this. And they will have been taught the entire Bible 
by the time they leave. But that's going to be our kids' facility over there. It's going to take your generosity to completely transform that facility so we can get the kids in the facility so that we can teach them the word of God so we're not going to have a biblically illiterate generation. Not at Lighthouse Church, okay? Other churches, you know, they, they, they got to figure that out for themselves. But we're going to have a biblically illiterate generation. Another thing that we want to do is we did this incredible series called Raising G-Rated Kids in an X-Rated World. And this hit. Like, like we didn't know what we were tapping into when we did this. Holy Spirit knew what we were doing. We just followed him. But we stayed here for two months. And then when the series was over, we asked you guys, what topics should we talk about next? The number one most requested topic was parenting. We were like, we want more on this stuff. So here's what we need to do. We need to finish the cafe over in that building and finish the sanctuary in that building so we can start to receive the community because we're going to teach these lessons and repackage them now for the community. Because y'all already heard it, but there are a lot of parents that don't know Christ and they're failing at home and they're looking to the school system and the school system is failing them too. But do you want to know what does work? The word of God works. Do you want to know what is going to, what we should be teaching our children? The word of God. And we should be teaching parents how to parent biblically. Biblically. And and people just need help. And and, and if there's going to be an agenda that's unashamedly going to push people more and into thoughts that are contrary to God's word, then we're going to absolutely push people unashamedly back to the word of God. That's what we're going to do. And it's not a cultural thing. It's a biblical thing. And it's not a right or left thing. It's light and darkness. That's what it is. Don't, don't let the politicians hijack it. It's never been that. God's word was here before right and left. God's word was here before blue and red. God's word precedes all of that. Political voting parties have come and they have gone. You only think there's been two. There's been more than that, but they're all gone. But do you want to know what's still around? The church of Jesus Christ that he established 2,000 years ago that he said that the gates of hell will never prevail against it. That's still around and that still works. And so we're going to repackage all this stuff and we're going to invite the community here so we can teach them how to raise their children in the fear and the knowledge of God. And the last thing we're going to do, and this starts like now. Everybody say now. We're going to do more to love on our community. We're never better than when we love on our community. Here at Lighthouse Church, we're, we're never better. And so we need to do more. I think we need to do even more. If for you like, I think we do good. No, we need to do more. I think we can spend more money on outreach. I think we need to spend a little more money on evangelism. And so there's three things that we're doing in the next six weeks that you need to be a part of. Here's the first one. We've partnered with an organization called Solutions for Change. Kelly DeLuca, if you don't know her, she's an incredible, incredible woman in this church. The DeLuca family, incredible family in this church. And they do breaking and entering Christmas where they break into people's houses and they get it all decorated with trees and toys. And and so we want to partner with Solutions for Change so we can bring Christmas to families that can't have Christmas. So that's one way to get involved. And um, there's going to be more information going out on that. As a matter of fact, if you're in a connect group, ask your connect group leader because we emailed every single connect group leader with how to get involved in this effort. And if you're not in a connect group, well, you got to get a connect group so you can get involved with this stuff, okay? But if you need more information, uh, seek out any one of the DeLuca kids and they'll get you in touch with Kelly. We want to get you working with that. The other thing that's happening is George. Let's give it up for George Nava. He's an incredible young man here at our church. Him and the young adults. Let's give it up for the Lighthouse Young Adults. Once again, they're going to be going out into the homeless communities and distributing sleeping bags, blankets, um, gloves. We just want to keep the homeless community warm. 
this as we approach the, the winter months. We just want to keep them warm. And so they're doing a drive uh, for goods that we can distribute to the homeless community. And so uh, let's start collecting stuff next Sunday. Does that sound good? We're going to get some bins. George, we need some bins. Label these bins. Let's start bringing it in. Let's get ready to just love on the homeless community. Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Amen? And here's the last thing we're going to do. And I love this. This is one. We did this last year, and I didn't realize how big it was going to be. And, uh, and now we're locking it up. It's something that we do. But we partner with the California Highway Patrol. And on December 15th, we're going to have what's called the Chips for Kids. Um, it is a toy drive where last year, I think it was 150 families that, that we gave toys to 150 families. They came here. Yeah, let's give it up. Let's give it up for you all that did that last year. 150 families came into this canopy that just like don't normally come here and and this this whole place was decked out with toys and kids walked in and um in some cases kids were picking out presents in other cases it was mom and dad i want you to get this mom and dad that didn't have money to buy any presents for their children came and got free gifts to take home and they told us had it not been for this there would be no presents under the tree this christmas and we blessed 150. And, and I w- we had our planning meeting. I said this year they want to send 300 families here because they know that Lighthouse can handle it. I love that. That they came here and said, your team is so well organized. You have so many volunteers. We want to send 300 families to your place of distribution. So what we're also going to do is um, the third week of November, we're going to have some other bins out there where you can st- come and start to bring in toys. Because last year we were just distributing. But this year, I want Lighthouse to be more involved with giving out toys and specifically gift cards for teenagers. If we can get more gift cards for teenagers, that would be great. Because what happens is um, parents with teens, they, they come and they get the presents for the little ones. And for the teenagers, it's like, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to want, you know, uh, a football. I didn't think you were going to want a basketball, so sorry, you know. So what we want to do is be a little more intentional about having gifts for teenagers as well. So when that time comes, and we're going to get real loud about it, but, but we've got those three ways that we're going to be trying to, to be a blessing and to be generous. Everybody say generous. We're going to be generous with our community. And, and, and here's the last thing that we're going to do. Every year we have done a year-end offering. Every year we've done a year-end offering. And on Sunday, December 11th, everybody say Sunday, December 11th, we're going to pick up a year-end offering because we got to get these buildings done. And as we said on Friday, right now, the critical path is actually finances. We have our plans, and we're just about ready to go. But where we really have a need now is the finances to fund the effort. And so I'm going to ask you all to pray about what God would put in your heart to give so that we can get these buildings renovated so we can accomplish all of these goals that I said just a minute ago. Like this last one doesn't require a building, so, so we, we can go and do that. Some of the other stuff that we want to do, it, it's going to really be important for us to get the building done. And so on Sunday, December 11th, I want you to just pray about what gift you can come and bring to the church, and that's going to move the mission and the vision of Lighthouse Church forward. Uh, like I said, we've, we've done this every year, every year that we've been together as a church first couple of years we actually gave away more money than we took we actually gave the majority of the money away to blessing other kingdom initiatives it wasn't for us it was to bless the community and to bless the kingdom now we're in a posture where we're actually going to have to fund this so the bulk of it's going to that we are still going to help plant a church because we will never not plant churches that deserves a loud a large round of applause and a loud amen we're going to help plant another church we have, helped four, we have helped four churches get off the ground. We're going to help a fifth church because that's what we do at Lighthouse Church. We help other churches get off the ground. That, that's what we do. Uh, more churches close each year than churches open. I don't know if you knew that. In our nation, 
more churches closed than open. We're trying to reverse that trend. We want more churches opening than, than churches that are closing. So we've already identified another church. They don't even know it yet. We're going to have them show up on a Sunday. We're going to surprise them with a check and just bless them because that's what we do at Lighthouse Church. We're a generous church. Okay? And so let's, let's move our hearts in that direction. And uh, the last thing I want to do is pray over you, and then I'm going to send you out of here. Thank you for hanging with me. I know I went a little long, but there's just so much going on. Uh, it's important for you to know about it. But I want to pray over you, and I, I really want to... Uh, some, some of you just need to commit your life to Christ. You're not seeing God's blessings in your life because you've not surrendered your life to Christ. I'm going to just come right out and say it that way. It's like, it's cool for them, Pastor. I get God's doing all these things for them. God's not doing it for me. I'm going to ask you, have you surrendered your life to Christ? I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But I will tell you this. You're going to have clear next steps. And you're going to have a life of purpose. And when there is purpose, there is fulfillment. So I'm going to ask everyone to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you're like, Pastor, I want to be a generous person. I'm not a generous. I'm a stingy person. I, I don't add value. I'm a taker. I'm a robber. I'm that guy that you talked about. And I don't feel good about that. And I want to change. You've got to surrender your life to Christ. So right now, if you have never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to do that. Or if you need to come back, it's been a long time. You've walked away and you're ready to recommit your life to Christ. I want you to throw the hand up. On the count of three, one, two, three, throw those hands up. If you're surrendering for the first time, or if you're coming back again, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to pray over you right now. As I pray over you, just internalize these words. I'm not going to ask you to repeat it, but just, re- just internalize this one for me. And I want everyone to reflect on these words. Father, in the name of Jesus, I receive you into my life today. I want to be a generous person. I want to live a meaningful life. And I want my life to matter. So I surrender my heart. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask, Father, that you forgive me of my sins. And I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. I don't have everything figured out, but you do. And I'm making you the driver of my life. And I'm surrendering control to you. Come into my heart so that I'm never the same again. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's sing that chorus. So I throw up. So I throw up my hands. Praise you again and again. I want you to stand with us and let's just sing this chorus together. And can we just get in a posture of gratitude right now? Can we just get in a posture of gratitude as we thank God for what he's done? And if you want God to move in your heart, and if you want him to mold you and to shape you and to become a more generous person, come on, just tell him that. Except for a heart. Come on, let's say it again. So I throw up my hands and let's do that real big all over this place. He's been so good to us. And let's just return some gratitude right now. Come on, let's just give him some worship right now. And I know it's not much. are open. I'm going to ask my pastors to come forward. Can I get our lighthouse pastors up here? I just feel like there's some of you that need to make your way up here. 
If there's any of you that are like, God, I want you to bless me so that I can be a blessing to the church, would you run on up here? I want to pray with you right now. I know I just sensing that there's some people that just want to come and just have a moment of either gratitude at this altar or you've got a prayer request that you want to bring to God. Run on up here. We're going to dismiss those of you that need to go in just a moment, but I'm just feeling like there's some of you that, that we want to pray for. There's some of you that just need prayer right now. So we're going to pray over you right now. Let's go back into that worship one more time. Come on down here. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to pray with you right now. Whatever your need is, God is here. Whatever your need is, God is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We're going to keep these altars open for those of you that need to go. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We will see you next week. God bless you all. Have a good day. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.